Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. As you saw that puzzle up there, the only piece that's missing may be you. We have had a great weekend already. On Friday night, Pastor Court Holloway from Granite United Church up in Salem, New Hampshire. And I'm gonna gonna contextualize some. No, we don't contextualize scripture. We believe it's literal. But I'm gonna give you some contextualization this morning. You ready for this? It felt cold here this morning. Somebody say amen if you agree with that. Okay, now where Court's from, it was minus three this morning. So he, he was ready to come here in a short sleeve shirt. This is like springtime. But uh, Pastor Court and his wife, Kara, who helped out with our worship today, prayed for us this morning. Katie got her to pray for us. Thank you, Kara. Great job, worship team. Let's give them a big hand, church, okay? Great, great, great job. Not a little hand. Give them a big hand, okay? Not a medium-sized hand. That's good. Very, very good. So Court was here with us on Friday and spoke to a lot of our families about life group and the the importance of life group ministry. And as you know, our theme for 2020 is community. We're we're gonna build this community up in here, the second layer through our life groups, and of course, reaching out and being a blessing to our surrounding communities so we can impact our world for Jesus Christ. We want you to be a part of that. And it starts by you getting connected here at Warehouse Church. And we pray for you uh, and your families, especially those of you that are visiting with us, say thank you for being here. We have an amazing opportunity next Sunday morning right after church. It's a free lunch. There's no football after church next Sunday. It's a great Sunday to hang out after church with us. But uh, we're going to have a new members class. We call it Starting Point. You can come here a little bit more about the church and where you fit in, who we are, what we do and where we're going, how you can fit into that. And I know that's gonna be a great, great blessing to you. So if you've never been through that class, even if you've been here for all two years of Warehouse Church, I hope that you will be connected with that next Tuesday right after the service. Anyway, I wanna introduce you our speaker today. Today's our, this weekend, as I said to you before, is our Life Groups Emphasis Weekend. Really excited about that. Friday night was just an amazing night. Super duper couple. Pastor Court, come on up here, Pastor Court, uh, has been, yeah, give him a big hand. He has been uh, an associate pastor, executive pastor up at Granite United, multi-campus, multi-service church up in Salem, New Hampshire. They have 11 services during the weekend. And what's really cool about it, and those 11 services are all just about this size. And they're just all over New England, Massachusetts, all throughout uh, New Hampshire, have a great worldwide impact. His pastor is my dear, dear friend, Anthony Milas, and uh, he'll be with us later this year. But Pastor Court does so much organizationally, structurally for his church. He was a blessing to our staff, amazing on Friday night, and I know you're gonna be encouraged today. So again, let's give him a warm welcome, church. Would you do that, Pastor Court? Let's put our hands together for Pastor Ed and Kim. Where is that? Oh, see, we're gonna have to do better than that. I said, let's put our hands together for our pastor, Pastor Ed and Kim. Now, 
the less noise you make, the more awkward I promise I can get. I promise you. So I'm not used to people not talking back in church. Um, but I'm really glad you're here. And that is absolutely no exaggeration, is that this morning, I started getting texts from our campus pastors and our leaders this morning. Five inches of snow fell between midnight and 7 a.m. this morning. And we are in the single digits. This feels like paradise. That's true. I went to breakfast in a t-shirt and shorts, and I was loving life. It was so good. It was so good. So I'm really glad that we're here. Your pastor and Kim are awesome. When he comes up and visits us in the snowy Northeast, he actually gets me in a lot of trouble with my pastor. It's true. I know you have a tough time imagining that, but he gets me in trouble with my, my pastor and my church. But we're so glad that we get to be here. And... Uh, we're really excited. So with this weekend coming up, I want to share with you just some things that I have learned and some things in our church we've learned about um, life-giving community. And I actually don't know any of you at all. So I don't even actually know where you're really at with all of this. Maybe this is your first time you've ever been a part of a church, or maybe you've been a part of a church your life and your parents did and your grandparents did and your great-great-grandparents did. Whatever it is, this message I think is applicable to every stage and every season of your life. Um, and I, I just want to start here by saying this. Is if this is your first time at church, first time in a while, I want you to know that this is a, a church that is not made up of people who have it all together, right? Amen, right? Right? It's true. It's not, it's not a perfect church, but you know what? It's perfect for us. And for those who call Warehouse Church their home, this isn't just a place to go, but it is a family to belong to. And that this weekend is a lot about that. And I think this, at least for me, I didn't necessarily grow up in church. It was more like I grew up in and out of church. Anybody grow up in and out of church? More out sometimes than in? Yeah, okay, so for me, for me, church was kind of an idea of like a club, a cool kids club, that if I didn't fit in, I wasn't welcome. And I just, I just think a lot of people get that impression that church is the I got it all together club. And it just simply is not that way. Church is in every way, God's, uh, like a reflection of God's grace. And that's what we believe at our church. I know that it is the heart here at Warehouse Church. And I want you to know it's the heart of Jesus as well. So the church is a family. And I, I wrote this down. Is here's the thing. It's a family. And we want everybody in this community to be connected. Because God doesn't want anybody to be alone. And if you're with me, give me a huh yeah, a little bit from the back. Uh-huh, you feel that, right? He doesn't want anybody to be alone. But here's the deal. You have a very real enemy who wants you to believe one of two things, all right? Your enemy wants to either believe that community is for people who have already figured out the faith thing, or the enemy will try to make you minimize it and say it's really not that important. Most of the time, people fall into two camps. Like you right now have either decided whether you're gonna lean in or you're going to kind of check out because you've heard something like this before and it's not for you. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to flip the switch and choose to lean in. It's only going to be about 30 minutes. Okay, whoever just said amen, that was rude. I'm not sure who that was. Rude. It's going to be good, so let's lean in. I have a guy in our church. He's amazing. But when he first started coming to our church, he wasn't amazing. This guy's name was Joe, all right? Everybody say Joe. 
Joe. Joe was awesome. And Joe was invited because he thought the girl who invited him was super cute. I bet you there's some of you in church because of that today. Amen? Right? And so this super cute girl invited Joe to church. Now, Joe, big dude, big Bruins fan, all things Boston, comes into our church. The thing about Joe, he was extremely successful ran a very, very large department in a very large company up in New England. Joe had it going on. But there was something about Joe that was very interesting. Joe was a pretty angry guy. Drank a lot. Drank too much, really. He was divorced. He was drowning in debt. And he was filled with bitterness. This cute girl invites him to church. He starts going to church. He was successful on the outside, but he was inside. He really was falling apart. He he was invited to church, Maybe the second or third week, he made a decision to follow Jesus. Since then, it's probably been about 12 years, since then, he got married to that cute girl that invited him to church. They have two beautiful children. He started serving in our youth group. He ended up leading all of our small groups in our entire church. And now he pastors one of our campuses that is reaching hundreds and hundreds of people in the city that he serves. That is a celebration story. This is the part where you put your hands together for Joe. That's the part where we get excited. Because if you didn't know Joe, Joe's story before Jesus and before becoming a part of a life-giving community at Granite United Church, everything on the outside was good. But inside, he knew that something was missing. And, and here's where we go on to see here. See, if you want, like me, like Pastor Ed and Kim, if you want what we see, we want to see Warehouse be a place that reflects the power of God changing people's lives like Joe. And I bet if we went through row by row, I bet you a lot of you have those stories. I was one way and God did this in my life. And so Warehouse strives to be a place where it's okay to not be okay place to be real, to share, to be open, to be honest about your past, about your present. Warehouse, we're a church that models trying to be like Jesus and meeting people where you, they are, but refusing to leave them there, but refusing to leave them there. So I want you to check this out. Listen, being a church that meets people where they are is not the same thing. I feel like I have to add this disclaimer does not mean that people condone sin. I don't know if you know what sin is, but it's basically anything you think, say, or do that is contrary to God's perfect plan for your life. Everybody's jacked up in one way or another, right? Everybody's screwed up. But the idea is this, is, is being a church that meets people where they are does not mean that we're like, we're cool with sin. That's not what this is at all. But if we're gonna be like Jesus, then we first need to see people come and meet Jesus before they can ever act like Jesus. Does that make sense? Give me a little head nod. Give me a little, uh-huh. Okay, so check it out. So I want you to read this scripture with me. It's probably gonna be on the screen. If it's bolded and underlined, if you could say it with me, that would be awesome, but don't feel that pressure if you don't want to. So 1 Corinthians 6 says this, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. Look at the person next to you and say, don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. On the, yep, do that. Not everybody participated. That's okay. Like this one dude, I'm not doing that. I, that's fine. It's, you don't have to, but it'd be fun. Try it one more time. On three. One, two, three. Don't fool yourself. Don't, don't play yourself, man. Listen, those who indulge in, and then it lists a whole bunch of stuff. Sin. And, but then verse 11 goes on and says this. Some of you were once like that. Some of you were once like that. Looking at this crowd. Some of you were once like that, right? But you were cleansed. 
You were made holy. Holy just means to be set apart for a particular use. You were set apart for a particular use. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see, the thing is this. Everybody has a story, but I'm so thankful that Jesus is in the business of rewriting people's stories. And if you're with me, put your hands together like you mean it. Like you mean it. He's in the business of rewriting stories. And I think it's so cool because I'm a direct benefit. I have, I have benefited from the fact that Jesus has rewritten my story. Just like Jesus met me where I was and where he met many of you where you are, he just doesn't want us to stay there. He doesn't. He expects us to go forward and grow forward with what he's given us. One of the most amazing things I think when I read the Bible, and I hope you've spent some time reading the Bible. It's New Year. It'd be really great to download the YouVersion app um, on, the, on your phone, you're right? Your, smart, your smartphone, download the YouVersion app, set up a plan, and try to read the Bible every single day. A lot, a little, but if you're in the Word of God every day, that can transform you from the inside out. So download the YouVersion Bible. It's really good. I think we, at Warehouse Church, we actually do all our messages and stuff on there too. There's a lot of really valuable stuff in there. But here's the thing, when I read the Bible and when you read the Bible, all of the narrative that surrounds Jesus' ministry is defined by one thing. And I find this amazing. People were around Jesus all the time, all the time. Jesus was surrounded with people who were nothing like him, but they really liked Jesus. The people who liked Jesus were nothing like him. They could not be any different. They were described with some really derogatory terms in those days. But people who were nothing like Jesus really, really liked him. It's interesting to me that Jesus actually only offended the religious crowds. That's like things that make you go, hmm, that's really interesting. The people who are nothing like Jesus really liked him. And so one of the goals here at the Community Life Weekend here at Warehouse Church is that each of us need to recognize an opportunity that is being placed before us, right? The thing about opportunity, at least in my experience, is this. You don't realize an opportunity until you miss it, right? That's a really good working definition of an opportunity. You don't realize you had an opportunity in front of you until you miss the opportunity. And so this weekend is one of those opportunities to do something that could be of great significance in your life. Maybe not initially, you might not realize it initially, but over the long haul, the long play, it's an opportunity. There's three things I'd like to share with you very quickly that have to do with this. I'm going to suggest some practical things from God's word that'll help you take your next step of faith. If you're okay with that, give me a uh-huh. Uh-huh, all right, let's go. The first thing is this, two words. It's simple. The word is, the two words are be honest. Say be honest. Be honest. Be honest. See, here's what's very important about getting into community with other people and in community with God ultimately. And that's this, don't hide your imperfections. Don't hide them. Like be very honest about your imperfections or your sin. See, this is different than flaunting your issues. Anybody ever seen people flaunt their issues? Like they're, like, they're almost like proud of it. Like, I'm so screwed up, look at me. Like, people do that. I always, I just, I shake my head and it's, it's crazy. But here's the deal. This is different than flaunting your issues. Some people have dysfunction and they wear the dysfunction and then show it off. That's not what we're talking about. Rather, there's a humility about it. The Apostle Paul actually did this. He admitted that he had real issues in his life. He did. And I look at this, and you weren't perfect 
if you're in a relationship with Jesus, you weren't perfect before you came to Jesus. And then that second that you make a decision to open your heart to Christ, it doesn't instantaneously change you like a switch that's been flipped, right? Like it doesn't do that. There are still things that have to happen. It's almost like the store of your life. If your life was a store, the sign has flipped and it says this store is now under new management. That's kind of what it's like. Things will change. And look at what Paul said after coming to Christ. Romans 7.21 says this. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody? Like four people. Okay. Let's try that again. Has anybody ever tried to do right and then they just inevitably do something wrong? Okay. Put our hands together. People are with us. I'm not the only one. Yes, I love it. Here's the thing. Inevitably, there's something inside of me that despite my best intentions, I am still going to inevitably do things wrong. But this is what Paul says. He goes on and he says, and this describes where a lot of us are, I think. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another law at work within me that is at war with my mind. This law wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Being a Christian, that is being a Christ follower, doesn't make you perfect. Wish it did. Wouldn't that be easier? Oh, that'd be so good. It doesn't make us perfect, but it does make us forgiven. When my, uh, I have four kids, little uh, 12-year-old, 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 7-year-old, if that sounds like a prayer request. It kind of is. Honestly, it is. If you could pray for us. We have four children. It's a lot. There are a lot of kids. When you're outnumbered, anybody else outnumbered in their house by children? Yep. They are the tired ones with lots of coffee. Yeah, that's us. Here's the thing about this. is My kids act differently when they've been forgiven of something. My kids, um, well, I have my youngest kid, I don't actually think she feels bad about anything she does. <laughs> if we're just being real. She's something. She's seven and she's something. But the rest of the kids, like when they do something wrong, like it matters to them. Like they kind of like, they feel bad. They don't approach me and Kara the same way. My wife, Kara and I, they, they kind of avoid us or they kind of like, but when we say, you're forgiven, you're okay. We forgive you. It's all right. We can move forward. It's like we have this, we have the reset button. Like we have a reset button in our house and we'll press that. And when they know they're really forgiven, then they operate differently. Shoulders are up, head is high. There's a difference in being forgiven. Not perfect, but forgiven. And the thing is this, the reality is if all of us are gonna have sins of choice, things that we're gonna struggle with more than other things, okay? But the thing is you don't have to be a slave to it. You don't have to be a slave to it. How many people have been sold out to something less than what God has for them? Like, I think all of us can point to areas of our life where we've sold out for something less than God's best, whether it's um, selling out to unhealthy relationships, right? You, you choose to have unhealthy relationships. You have unhealthy relationships with people. You have unhealthy relationships with um, work. Some people make unhealthy choices when it comes to finances. Some people make unhealthy choices with um, their health. People believe unhealthy truths that are just lies about God. And then you become a slave to whatever you believe and an inaccurate view of God. So the very first thing is this, admit, be open, be honest that everybody's got issues. And for the most of the room, everybody's with me, right? Here's the second thing. 
as a part of not selling out, don't sell out to a lesser dream than what Jesus has for you. See, with the new year, um, inevitably, everybody makes some goals, right? Does anybody goal set going into the new year? I know most people are like, you know, they're like, I don't set goals at New Year's. Like, a lot of people say that now. I get it. But I think most people see 2020 as an opportunity, fresh slate, right? I get a new month, new year. People set up some goals. And I'm sure that a lot of you write down goals. You have goals for your family, maybe. You have goals for your business, right? You have goals for maybe your physical health. You have goals for your marriage. You have goals for this, goals for that. And a lot of times people will take a list and they'll prioritize their goals, right? And then they make God a, pri- a part of the priority list, right? I'm going to go to church on Sunday, and then that's what I'm going to do, and then I got all the other stuff that I'm working on. And, and the idea is this, is that when we put God as a, a, a bullet point on our priority, we're actually selling him out and giving him the same place as a work deal or as a relationship or as a health goal. You've reduced God to a bullet point, when in fact, God has the ability to bless every bullet point on your list. Like if somebody wants to get healthy, just imagine if you do it God's way. He has a plan for that. If you wanna be blessed financially, God has a plan for you to make right choices that start with honoring him first and then honoring others. He has a plan for that. You wanna have a healthy relationship with your spouse? Guess what? God has a plan for that. But when I prioritize and make church a thing on my list, I am limiting the power of God in every other item on the list. If you're with me, does that make sense? We do that sometimes. We do that sometimes. And so we have people in our church, and just like your church, We have people who have added God to every part of their list. God in finances, God in family, God in friends. These people are the ones who become missionaries. They become pastors, youth leaders. We have entrepreneurs and CEOs in our church. We have fathers who decide that they are going to raise their kids and they start praying with their children, leading them spiritually. For some people here today, for some men in here, the bravest thing, the thing that scares you to death But maybe the thing you have to do is to reach across the table or in the car and grab the hand of your spouse and say, sweetheart, I'm gonna pray right now. I'm gonna be a spiritual leader in our house. For some people, that scares you to death. But the reality is God can be a part of every single thing. Everything that God touches and you do it God's way sets itself up to be completely blessed, 100%. Every day of the week and twice on Sunday. It's so true. When we prioritize God and spend time with him, these goals and this vision for your life. These things become dreams in your heart. And look at what Paul said, who was so unbelievably jacked up before Jesus. He wrote this, Philippians 3.14. Love this verse. It says this, I press, I press toward, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Like he presses forward. He worked hard. He pushed for it. That's point number two. The third thing is this, surround yourself. Surround yourself with vision victors, okay? I'm gonna explain what that means. See, the thing is, is since God created you to have relationships with him and others, everybody's gonna form community where they go. It's just inevitable. I very rarely have ever met anybody who truly doesn't wanna be a part of something. 
really. Every single person you know wants to be a part of something. And because we're wired that way, we'll make decisions to be in relationships with people. But the thing is, is if you want to have a healthy relationship with Christ, you have to surround yourself with people who are going to encourage a healthy relationship with Christ. That just makes sense, right? You can't put yourself in environments that are counter to Jesus all the time and then expect to follow Jesus all the time, right? So look at what this scripture says in James 5. It says this, and I think this is really cool. This is talking about community. It says this, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. Say great power. Like you mean it. Great power. Great power. And then I love this. And it says wonderful results. Say wonderful results. You know what? I want to have wonderful results in my life. Like, do you want to have wonderful results in your life? Do you want to have wonderful results in your life? Put your hands together if you want to have wonderful results in your life. Now, now, I'm a lot like you, and I can be skeptical sometimes. And I have people come up to me after this, and I say, you know that the life of Jesus is not, it's not always rosy. And I'm like, I, I get that, and I'll get to that in a second. Well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't walk around being happy or clapping all the time or expecting that God's going to do great things. And then I just turn and say, well, what's the opposite? What do you think? Heaven's going to be like this all the time? Like, if you hate clapping here, you're going to hate heaven. <laughs> Wonderful results. I want the things that I touch to be blessed by God. I want to make sure that what I'm doing is in line with him. Because if it's in line with him, it will be blessed. And so Friday night, we had a chance to talk a little bit with a great group of leaders. I see a lot of you guys here today. It was, it was really cool because we talked about vision victors. And we talked about vision vandals. See, at Warehouse Church, we, what, build lives, strengthen families, and deliver hope. And we do this by leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Now, without that last tagline of leading people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, there's a lot of organizations in this area who could say that they build lives, strengthen families, deliver hope. There's a lot of organizations that can do that. Boys and Girls Club does that. YMCA does this. This organization does that. This organization does that. But they fail to have the power of Jesus Christ in really transforming lives from the inside out. They have something going on, but they are missing the essential power that at the very core of what we do here at Warehouse Church. So Vision Victors, okay, take the word of God. They take the vision, the mission of Warehouse Church from their head, but then it moves to their heart. Does that make sense? Like a lot of people, like even myself too, like Kara will do this sometimes. She'll like, she'll be like giving me instructions and she'll be like, are you with me? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah. She's like, she's like, are you really with me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. She's like, you didn't listen to anything I said. I, I did not listen to what you said. I'm in now. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's like one of those things. I mean, I think all of us are like that with God sometimes. He's like, he's like, Court, did you hear what I just said? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm texting or playing Subway Surf or something on my phone. God, do you, yeah, I'm good, I got you. Hey, hey, are you really with me? Moving something from your head to the heart changes the way we approach the things that God wants us to do. Look at this. This is really cool. Um, people who are vision victors, right? Vision victors, they understand the value and they say they're all in, which means that they make adjustments. They adjust. They change their schedule. They make room for God to do something in their life and through their life. They move it from their head to their heart and they make decisions based on that and not the other way around. See, what is a, a vision vandal? I shared this briefly on Friday night, 
But I got in trouble for a little bit of vandalism as a teenager. And in that room, actually, it was just me and your pastor were actually the only ones who had ever... I was like, weird. That's very odd. That's very strange. This was a very long time ago as a teenager. But I, I, this is the thing about it. What a vision vandal hears the mission, instead of saying yes and jumping in, they think of ways how they can adjust the vision so that they don't have to adjust at all. Think of it. They find reasons and they use words like this. Well, I do that in my way. I do it my own way. I already have community. Or, you know what? I'm really busy in this season. I have a lot going on. Vision vandals take it, or they say something like this. The church just wants so much of my time. The church just wants so much, and then I go, whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out, time out. That's the language of a vandal. That's somebody who's trying to hijack something. When I vandalized that property, I took something that was pure the way it was supposed to be, and I changed it. I got creative with it, but I took away from the initial, original intention of it. And a vision vandal does the exact same thing. Check this out. From the very beginning, when somebody says you just want to, the church is trying to take something or take something from me, understand at the very core of Jesus, we know that Jesus came to give. John 3, 16 he gave his son. Jesus said that he gave his life and that you could have life more abundantly. God at the very core of who he is, is a giver. So instead of people like saying that God wants something from us or the church wants something from us, the perspective of vision, Victor is, God wants something for me. He realizes that I've been selling out to something less. He wants more for me. This church doesn't want anything more from you. We want you to be in community because we want something great for you. I think there's something greater on the other side of this for every single person who decides to take a step today. I do. I do. I absolutely believe it. And so... Here's the thing, being in a healthy Christ-centered community is for your benefit. Just like exercising, eating right are necessary for a healthy body, a healthy church body is made up of healthy, Christ-centered groups of people. You see, when small groups and communities are healthy, there's an influx of people, they are, who are nothing like Jesus, but they wanna be around people who love Jesus. I love the fact that me and my wife, uh, we have this little house in uh, New Hampshire and it is always filled with people. And they're not just church people, I mean, my daughters are cheerleaders, so we got cheer families at our house. My kids, they have friends from school. They come over to our house. At Halloween, I think we had, we must have broken some sort of fire code, like for real. There were so many people at our house and wandering through the neighborhood. They probably thought we were like a a horde of zombies. There were so many people, but people who are not, they don't agree with me in terms of my beliefs, but they love spending time with us. I think that's so important, don't you? I don't have to agree with you about everything to love you. And I think that people recognize that. Real respect's real. It sees it. It knows it. And the thing about Jesus is people knew that he loved them. And so people that were nothing like Jesus felt like they could be with Jesus and not be judged by Jesus. The judgmental people were the ones who got offended by Jesus. But anyways, case in point, our church is not a place we go. It's a family we belong to. If you believe that, would you put your hands together? And if you want to believe that, put your hands together. Because that is what we want to do here 
at Warehouse Church. So I wanna share with you another story. For me, this family articulates for me what I'm describing to you today. The fact is we tell a lot of stories of desperation and things like that and people finding God through desperation. But I wanna tell you about a really cool family that came to our church. They, had, they really did, they had it all together. Um, they had two beautiful daughters and they're friends with you know, my family, but they were a part of a small group. And I could tell you all their names and they would eat together, they would hang out together and things were just really, really great um, for a couple of years. Until last year, I was at Chick-fil-A, the only God-anointed fast food restaurant on the place of this earth. You guys are spoiled by things like In-N-Out Burger and Chick-fil-A that are truly ordained by the Lord. Like for us, we just got our first Chick-fil-A. It's awesome. (laughs) They're so clean and so nice. Anyways, um, it's so good. I was at Chick-fil-A, a a little bit of heaven touching earth, and I was at Chick-fil-A, and I received a phone call. So I step away from the table. The phone call just knocked the wind out of me because it was this, this buddy of mine. And as a man who'd gotten saved at our church, his wife had gotten saved at his church, he was raising his children in our church. They got some really bad news. She, uh, her, they were pregnant, she was pregnant, and they went to the doctor down in, um, I think they were at Mass General, and uh, they said, uh, your, your baby, your daughter, um, has a rare genetic disorder called trisomy 13. There's a lot of variations of it, but basically it means that the baby is given 0.001% chance of living. It just knocked the wind out of me. And he was obviously devastated. I asked him, is there anywhere we can meet right now? He said, we're so drained, we're exhausted. Let's meet tomorrow morning for breakfast. Okay, so the next morning, we get up very early, we go to a diner, and we all have our sunglasses on, because obviously we've been crying all night, so we're wearing our sunglasses, and we're just, oh, we're so ugh, broken. This is what my friends say. From the time the doctor told them that there was no chance their baby was going to survive, the doctor started talking to them and saying, well, what's your plan to terminate this? They said, excuse me? Well, we don't do long-term care for this. It's not going to happen. They left the doctor's appointment and their family, their friends outside of the church in a lot of ways were saying, why would you put yourself through that? Like that hospital doesn't even do care for people with babies that are diagnosed with this. So we meet that morning and this is what they said. They said, we think God wants us to keep this baby And then we knew that our small group and our pastors are probably gonna be the only people who could tell us whether or not that's really what God wants us to do. And we said, while that baby is inside of you, that baby is safe, healthy, and whole. You go find yourself a doctor that's gonna take care of you, and we're gonna see what what God does in this situation. Week after week, month after month, their small group, their families would spend time, and that baby grew, and that baby was doing really well inside of her. The day of delivery came, we're in Boston. Me and Kara, Pastor Miles and Christy, we drive down to be with them. And you know, they had that baby girl. They did, she was born, which there was only a 10% chance she would even be born. You know what we got to do? She got to take a walk on the, the roof of MGH, let the sun touch her skin. She got to be held by her mommy, her dad. She got to get kissed, prayed over all of those things. And she breathed her last breath that day, 18 hours. We got to hold her and loved her. And there was a little girl that was cherished, cherished. 
Why do I tell you that? There are things in life that if you don't surround yourself with the right people, you will miss out on so much beauty and so much that God has for you. Surrounding yourself with vision victors are people who will encourage you and strengthen you when you don't think you have enough to go on on your own. I'm so tired. I need somebody to tell me that I'm doing the right thing. Or I'm so exhausted in this moment. Can you help push me over the goal line? I need to have this victory. You don't know you need community until you need community. You don't know what you have until you realize that you don't have it. That's the thing about opportunity. You know it when you missed it. And so my friends, they're good. We celebrate her. We talk about her. We love her. We celebrate her. Her life celebration, dozens and dozens of people made a decision to follow Jesus at her life celebration, which was absolutely packed. We can celebrate. Whoever just started clapping, that's a part where we celebrate that. Yeah, she made an impact. She made a difference. She's making a difference. All of that could have been stolen if you listened to a vision vandal. If you let a vision vandal dictate the vision for your life, you're going to get a jacked up picture of what your life could be. But if you surround yourself with strength, and you surround yourself with people, guess what? We will have victory. Everything that God touches, he can bless, and you can be surrounded with strength. So what is my point? My point is this. As a church, we want everybody to have a family like that. Maybe you didn't have the greatest family growing up. I'm really blessed. I had a really great family. I can't relate on a lot of levels. But I know people who have really rough family backgrounds, but Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, and a relationship with godly people saved their lives straight up save their lives. And guess what? Not only save their life, but then save their kids' lives because of having to re repeat an unhealthy cycle. Those kids are gonna grow up in a godly Christian home. So this isn't just about you. This isn't about everybody who comes after you. It's a pretty big deal. And so we are committed to reaching people far from God. If that family had walked through our doors five years ago, and hadn't met a community of people, there would have been no diner talk. The strongest voice in their life wouldn't have been a church family. And we know how the rest of that story probably would have gone. If you're a part of a community already like that, you know that what I'm saying is true. There's some of you who know that. I wanna to talk to you first. Would you just for a second consider making room in your life so somebody else can experience that? Just for a second. Make some room for somebody else. I think it's really important. That's why we start new small groups. We need to make a little bit more room. If you're not in one, I want you to know, and this is what I say at my church all the time. I say this, just try it one time. I think everybody has a card on their, their chair. And I'm, try it one time. Sign up one time. Go one time. Eat their food. Like, there's no string attached. Just enjoy it, right? If it's not, they'll, they'll downsteal it. I don't know. We don't do that, right? We don't do that. No, that's illegal. Eat their food. Have fun. Enjoy it. If you've never been to a small group, or here's the third kind of person, people who've never been, people who are already in it and love it, and there's a third part of people who've been a part of it, maybe been burned, maybe got lazy, got busy, whatever the reason, moved, and they haven't jumped back in. Re-engage. Give it a shot. One time, as you read through the Bible, Jesus... Paul, the disciples, listen, they surrounded themselves with these people that would encourage them to do better. Jesus didn't want you to do life alone. Part of our vision at Warehouse Church, don't do life alone. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Your life is so significant. It needs to be shared with other people. Small groups are safe. 
Come together, you're gonna grow in faith. You come together, you're gonna share life. The great parts of it, the not so great parts of it and everything in between. Come together for laughs. You come together for celebration and support. Remember what Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says. This doesn't just apply to the gathering on the weekend. But Hebrews 10 says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another to love and good deeds. Here's the thing about this. This is something that we do here at church. Your pastor will lead you, share with you. Your ministry team leaders will share with you and encourage you to do good deeds. But where the rubber really meets the road is in these small groups where you can really spur each other to love, really spur each other to good deeds. Verse 25 says this, not giving up on meeting together as some people have a habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as the day approaches. Here's the deal. Sometimes you just have to make a choice because if you don't make a choice now, your choice will be made for you later. People live, I think I heard this quote once and it was really good. It said this is that the things, if we don't learn what to say yes to now, our lives will inevitably become a product of the things we meant to say no to. If you don't say yes now, your life will inevitably be run by the things that you should have said no to. Make the right yes. Sign up for a small group one time. You already lead a small group or you're a part of a small group with a lot of leaders in it, start a new small group. Just, just try it one time. Try something one time. Everybody has a step in this room, everybody. If you're a part of a healthy small group, find some people who aren't and invite them in. If you're not a part of a group, stick around church for just a minute afterwards and meet some cool people. There's some really cool people here. You do. You got some really sharp people here. Strong shoe game. I respect that. You know, good looking people, man. Meet some of these people. They're amazing. You will be stronger in your faith because of it. I didn't have a lot of faith, but I'll tell you what, back in the day, by accident, I ended up surrounding myself with people who had very strong faith and it rubbed off on me. Isn't that cool? I think a lot of you are here today and here's the thing, maybe you're here today and you don't have faith in Jesus, not the way I'm talking about it now. Grew up in church or, you know, know about God, but you wouldn't say that you've ever really like placed your trust in Jesus. You know what I would love to do? I'd love to pray with you right now. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Like nobody looking around. This is like a private time, right? It's just you and God. You're here today. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you're trusting in things other than Jesus to get you to heaven. Been there. I know what that's like. But there is a difference when you're in a relationship with somebody. Bible says it's as easy as calling on the name of the Lord. You ask for his forgiveness. You ask him for his acceptance. And because God is a giver and he's so generous, he will give you a brand new heart. He'll give you a fresh start. But he's also a gentleman. He won't knock down the door of your life. He won't do it. He has to be invited in. If you want to invite Jesus to be your savior, you can pray something like this. You can say this, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I haven't put you first place, but I choose to believe you and trust you. You died for me on the cross so that I could be forgiven. And today I'm gonna put all my trust in that and not in myself. Please give me a brand new life and a fresh start, brand new heart. I wanna try to live for you 
In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for just another moment, I'm gonna ask an honest question just between you and me and a few leaders in this room. If you meant that, if you prayed with me and you meant it, would you just raise your hand so that we can acknowledge that one? Yep, God bless you. God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. I see those hands over there. God bless you and God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. God bless you. All right. I want you to know that prayer didn't do anything, but your heart, when you flipped that switch and chose to trust Jesus, that did everything. From that moment, you've been made righteous. You've been made whole, not by what you've done, not by works righteousness of which you had done, but for what Jesus has done in your life. And I encourage you, as you take that next step, surround yourself with vision victors. I'm gonna pray us out. Lord Jesus, thank you for those who cross the line of faith today, put their lives in your hands. Pray that they get into healthy community while encourage them in their walk. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're in agreement this morning,